0: Section five of the Rover, Volume One, Number Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume One, Number Two, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section five: The World as It Is what a delightful thing the world is lady lennox's ball last night how charming it was every one so kind and charlotte looking so pretty the nicest girl i ever saw but i must dress now balfour is to be here at twelve with a horse he wants to sell me how lucky i am to have such a friend as balfour so entertaining so good-natured so devilish clever too and such an excellent heart ah how unlucky it rains a little but never mind it will clear up and if it don't why there's billiards what a delightful thing the world is so soliloquized charles nugent a man of twenty-one a philanthropist an optimist our young gentleman was an orphan of good family and large fortune brave generous confiding and open-hearted his ability was above the ordinary standard and he had a warm love and a pure taste for letters he had even bent a knee to philosophy but the calm and cold graces with which the goddess receives her servants had soon discontented the young votary with the worship away cried he one morning flinging aside the volume of la rochefoucauld which he had fancied he understood away with this selfish and debasing code men are not the mean things they are here described be it mine to think exultingly of my species my dear experience with how many fine sentiments do you intend to play the devil it is not without reason that goethe tells us that though fate is an excellent she is also a very expensive schoolmistress ah my dear nugent how are you and captain balfour enters the room a fine dark handsome fellow with something of pretension in his air and a great deal of frankness and here is the horse come to the window does not he step finely what action do you remark his forehand how he carries his tail gad i don't think you shall have him after all nay my dear fellow you may well be sorry to part with him he is superb quite sound eh have him examined do you think I would not take your word for it? The price, fix it yourself. Prince Paul once offered me a hundred and eighty, but to you you shall have it. No, Nugent, say a hundred and fifty. I won't be outdone. There's a draft for a hundred and eighty pounds. Upon my soul, I'm ashamed, but you are such a rich fellow. John, take the horse to Mr. Nugent's stables. Where will you dine to day at the cocoa tree? with all my heart the young men rode together nugent was delighted with his new purchase they dined at the cocoa tree balfour ordered some early peaches nugent paid the bill they went to the opera do you see that danseuse asked balfour pretty ankle eh yes comme ça the dance is awkwardly not handsome what not handsome come and talk to her she's more admired than any girl on the stage they went behind the scenes and balfour convinced his friend that he ought to be enchanted with florine before the week was out the danseuse kept her carriage and in return nugent supped with her twice a week nugent had written a tale for the keepsake it was his first literary effort it was tolerably good and exceedingly popular one day he was lounging over his breakfast and a tall thin gentleman in black was announced by the name of mr gilpin mr gilpin made a most respectful bow and heaved a peculiarly profound sigh nugent was instantly seized with a lively interest in the stranger sir it is with great regret faltered forth mr gilpin that i seek you ay 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 a low consumptive cough checked his speech nugent offered him a cup of tea the civility was refused and the story continued mr gilpin's narration is soon told when he himself is not the narrator an unfortunate literary man once in affluent circumstances security for a treacherous friend friend absconded pressure of unforeseen circumstances angel wife and four cherub children a book coming out next season deep distress at present horror at being forced to beg generous sentiments expressed in the tale written by mr nugent forcibly struck him a ray of hope broke on his mind and voila the causes of mr gilpin's distress and mr gilpin's visit never was there a more interesting personification of the afflicted man of letters than gregory gilpin he looked pale patient and respectable he coughed frequently and was dressed in deep mourning nugent's heart swelled he placed a bank-note in mr gilpin's hands he promised more effectual relief and mr gilpin retired overpowered with his own gratitude and mr nugent's respectful compassion how happy i am to be rich said the generous young philanthropist throwing open his chest nugent went to a conversation at lady lennox's her ladyship was a widow and a charming woman she was a little of the blue and a little of the fine lady and a little of the beauty and a little of the coquette and a great deal of the sentimentalist she had one daughter without a shilling she had taken a warm interest in a young man of the remarkable talents and amiability of charles Nugent. he sat next her they talked of the heartlessness of the world it is a subject on which men of twenty-one and ladies of forty-five are especially eloquent lady lennox complained mr nugent defended one does not talk of innocence it is said or something like it is said somewhere in madame de penyer's memoirs without being sadly corrupted and nothing brings out the goodness of our hearts more than a charge against the heartlessness of others an excellent woman thought nugent what warm feelings how pretty her daughter is oh a charming family charlotte lennox played an affecting air nugent leaned over the piano they talked about music poetry going on the water sentiment and richmond hill they made up a party of pleasure nugent did not sleep well that night he was certainly in love when he rose the next morning the day was bright and fine balfour the best of friends was to be with him in an hour balfour's horse the best of horses was to convey him to richmond and at richmond he was to meet lady lennox the most agreeable of mothers and charlotte the most enchanting of daughters the dancers had always been a bore she was now forgotten it certainly is a delightful world repeated nugent as he tied his neckcloth some time after the date of this happy day nugent was alone in his apartment walking to and fro when colonel nelmore an elderly gentleman well known in society with a fine forehead a shrewd contemplative eye and an agreeable address entered the room to him nugent poured forth the long list of his grievances and concluded by begging him to convey a challenge to the best of friends captain balfour the colonel raised his eyebrows but my dear sir this gentleman has certainly behaved ill to you i allow but for what specific offence do you mean to challenge him for his conduct in general the colonel laughed for saying yesterday then that I was grown a darned bore, and he should cut me in future, he told Selwyn so in the bow window at White's. The Colonel took snuff. My good young friend said he. I see you don't know the world. Come and dine with me today, a punctual seven. We'll talk over these matters. Meanwhile, you can't challenge a man for calling you a bore. Not challenge him. What should I do then? Laugh, shake your head at him, and say ah balfour you're a sad fellow the colonel succeeded in preventing the challenge but nugent's indignation at the best of friends remained as warm as ever he declined the colonel's invitation he was to dine with the Lennoxes. meanwhile he went to the shady part of kensington gardens to indulge his reflections he sat himself down in an arbor and looking moralizingly over the initials the dates and the witticisms that hands long since mouldering have consigned to the admiration of posterity a gay party were strolling by this retreat the laughter and voices preceded them. yes said a sharp dry voice which nugent recognised as belonging to one of the wits of the day yes i saw you lady lennox talking sentiment to nugent fie how could you waste your time so unprofitably ah poor young man he is certainly bien with his fine phrases and so forth but tis a good creature on the whole and exceedingly useful useful yes fills up a vacant place at one's table at a day's warning lends me his carriage horses when mine have caught cold subscribes to my charities for me and supplies the drawing-room with flowers in a word if we were more sensible he would be less agreeable his sole charm is his foibles jupiter what a description from the most sentimental of mothers of the most talented the most interesting of young men nugent was thunderstruck the party swept by he was undiscovered he raved he swore he was furious he go to the dinner to-day no he would write such a letter to the lady it should speak daggers but the daughter charlotte was not of the party charlotte oh charlotte was quite a different creature from her mother the most natural the most amiable of human beings and evidently loved him he could not be mistaken there yes for her sake he would go to the dinner he would smother his just resentment he went to lady lennox's it was a large party the young marquis of austerlitz had just returned from his travels he was sitting next to the most lovely of daughters nugent was forgotten after dinner however he found an opportunity to say a few words in a whisper to charlotte he hinted a tender reproach and he begged her to sing we met twas in a crowd charlotte was hoarse had caught cold charlotte could not sing nugent left the room when he got to the end of the street he discovered that he had left his cane behind he went back for it for he was really in love glad of an excuse for darting an angry glance at the most simple the most natural of human beings that should prevent her sleeping the whole night he ascended the drawing-room and charlotte was delighting the marquis of austerlitz who leaned over her chair with we met twas in a crowd charlotte lennox was young lovely and artful lord austerlitz was young inexperienced and vain in less than a month he proposed and was accepted well well said poor nugent one morning breaking from a reverie betrayed in my friendship deceived in my love the pleasure of doing good is still left to me friendship quits us at the first stage of life love at the second benevolence lasts till death poor gilpin how grateful he is i must see if i can get him that place abroad to amuse his thoughts he took up a new magazine he opened the page at a violent attack on himself on his beautiful tale in the keepsake the satire was not confined to the work it extended to the author he was a fop a coxcomb a ninny an intellectual dwarf a miserable creature an abortion these are pleasant studies for a man out of spirits especially before he is used to them nugent had just flung the magazine to the other end of the room when his lawyer came to arrange matters about a mortgage which the generous nugent had already been forced to raise on his estates the lawyer was a pleasant entertaining man of the world accustomed to the society he was accustomed to the wants of young men he perceived nugent was a little out of humour he attributed the cause naturally enough to the mortgage and to divert his thoughts he entered first on a general conversation what rogues there are in the world said he nugent groaned this morning for instance before i came to you i was engaged in a curious piece of business enough a gentleman gave his son-in-law a qualification to stand for a borough the son-in-law kept the deed and so cheated the good gentleman out of more than three hundred pounds a year yesterday i was employed against a fraudulent bankrupt such an instance of long premeditated cold-hearted deliberate rascality and when i leave you i must see what is to be done with a literary swindler who on the strength of a consumptive cough and a suit of black has been respectably living on compassion for the last two years he has just committed the most nefarious fraud a forgery in short on his own uncle who has twice seriously distressed himself to save the rogue of a nephew and who must now submit to this loss or proclaim by a criminal prosecution the disgrace of his own family the nephew proceeded of course on his knowledge of my client's goodness of heart and thus a man suffers in proportion to his amiability is his name gil gil gilpin stammered the same oho have you been bit to mr nugent before our hero could answer a letter was brought to him nugent tore the seal it was from the editor of the magazine in which he had just read his own condemnation it ran thus sir having been absent from london on unavoidable business for the last month and the care of the blank magazine having thereby devolved on another who has very ill discharged his duties i have the surprise and mortification of perceiving on my return this day that a most unwarrantable and personal attack upon you has been admitted in the number for this month i cannot sufficiently express my regret the more especially on finding that the article in question was written by a mere mercenary in letters to convince you of my concern and my resolution to guard against such unworthy proceedings in future i enclose you another and yet severer attack which was sent to us for our next number and for which I grieve to say the unprincipled author has already succeeded in obtaining from the proprietors a remuneration etc 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 nugent's eyes fell on the enclosed paper it was in the handwriting of mr gregory gilpin the most grateful of distressed literary men end of section five